welcome to the Dunker Punks podcast. My name is Jacob Krause, and I am the host for today's episode. I'm also delighted to have Annalisa Gross back on the podcast representing the Women's Caucus in this episode, interviewing Melissa Leiter-Grandison and Ruthann Kneckel-Johansson about how they perceive and relate to leadership in the church. These interviews offer us an insight to where over half a century of feminism in the Church of the Brethren has moved the inclusivity needle and begs the question whether women are better off today than decades past. As I said, our interviewer today is Annalisa Gross, who is pastor of Beacon Heights Church of the Brethren in Fort Wayne, Indiana, which just so happens to be seeking a full-time pastor to work with Annalisa. Spread the word. Annalisa and her husband, Philip, are building a small, intensely efficient house and have a 115-pound puppy. Thanks for being here today, Annalisa, Melissa, and Ruthann. Take it away, Annalisa. Women's Caucus is a feminist organizing presence in the Church of the Brethren. We're currently facilitating a compassionate care training for ministers and caring people. This training will equip you to provide spiritual companionship to pregnant persons facing reproductive decisions. Read more at womenscaucus.org. We spell Women's Caucus a little differently than you might expect. Women is W-O-M-A-E-N. That means one woman, all women. So W-O-M-A-E-N-S-C-A-U-C-U-S dot org. We've been asking, are women better off today than in decades past? And hearing from Ruthann and Melissa in this episode is an opportunity to reflect on more than 50 years of feminism in and beyond the Church of the Brethren. The guiding question of these interviews is, when did you know that you are a leader in the church? You can listen to more of these conversations in Dunker Punk's podcast episodes 127 with Lauren Saganos-Cohen and Carol Lindquist, episode 118, Susan Boyer, Tabitha Rudy, Catherine Lapointe, and Rebecca Flores, 113, Ben Baer and Carla Gillespie, and 107, Sally Rich, Dana Cassell, and Audrey Sfei. My name is Melissa Leiter Grandison. I am a member of the Church of the Brethren. I am co-chair for On Earth Peace. And in my personal life, I am an educator in Western Massachusetts. When did you know that you are a leader in the church? Am I? Am I a leader in the church? I learned that uh, today in this interview for this podcast. That's an interesting question to think about because I think that most of the time in my work with the church and in different areas of the church, I wouldn't Like if you ask me what I do for the church, I wouldn't necessarily name while I lead in these ways. In an official capacity, I think probably the first time I felt like there was potential to lead in the church was when I was in college and I made the decision to become a member of the Youth Peace Travel Team. Part of the understanding of that work was knowing that we would be invited to camps throughout the summer and this team would 
travel around and we would quote lead sessions for youth. And so by the nature of the job description, I think that that's the first time I sort of like stepped into a role where I knew that I would be leading, even if I wasn't walking away, naming myself as a quote leader of the church. In looking back on that experience, I don't think I had a real concept of how far reaching working on the youth peace travel team would be within the Church of the Brethren. I thought, you know, this will be a great experience to combine a couple of different things that I love. It wasn't until almost a year later when I was doing some work on behalf of On Earth Peace at National Youth Conference when I saw a whole host of youth that I had met doing Youth Peace Travel Team that were attending a session that I was leading and, and talking about the impact of the Youth Peace Travel Team. And I think walking away a year later was really the first time that I was like, that work that I led had the type of impact that you would imagine that leaders in a church could have. And that was was 2007. One of the things that I think is interesting about my journey to quote leadership within the church is here I am a woman of color. I was born and raised in the church of the brethren. And oftentimes when I'm in interactions with people in the church, unless they really know me, that's not sort of like the first thing that they that they jump to, I would imagine various reasons. Growing up my whole life in the church and attending different churches that I grew up in and in attending church camp and then attending a brother in college, et cetera, I still don't think that when you look at the Church of the Brethren as a whole, that I represent the type of leadership that people think about that journey of recognizing myself as a leader has more to do with leadership that I sought out because I was interested in having an impact than it was stepping into leadership roles that mentors, for example, would have named that I would be good in. And I think that it's worth conversation and consideration for why that is, whether that's because I'm a woman, whether that's because I, I grew up in a family that is not a traditional Church of the Brethren family. I don't have grandparents that grew up in the Church of the Brethren, and I certainly don't have great-grandparents that grew up in the Church of the Brethren. And my mom became a member of the Church of the Brethren not long before my brother and I were born. So it isn't sort of like your traditional heritage Church of the Brethren that we hear about and then can consider that the Church of the Brethren is predominantly white and the leadership that we have and that we display and, and the decision-making power within the church is from predominantly white people. So there are tons of boxes that I fill that make me, quote, a leader outside of like the traditional leadership model. There were points in my journey of coming to leadership within the church that I asked myself, if I wasn't me and I didn't look like me and I didn't have the background that I had, what would my path to leadership have been like? And I think arguably it would have been quite different and, and potentially have been encouraged in some, some different ways, which is one of the reasons I think it is so important that I transition into thinking of myself as a leader, primarily because, you know, representation matters and there are other youth of color and people of color within the church that certainly have leadership capacity. And so wondering like in, in my leadership journey and whatever is left of my leadership journey, you know, what I can be offering to folks who may feel like they're in my position that just like need people to recognize that, that leadership capacity in them, even though it looks quite different than, than what the representation currently, currently is. Um, and that's like what I try to do as an educator too, because a lot of, a lot of that fits within the realm of like current day education as well. So super interesting question and something that I haven't, I haven't had cause to think as much about 
in in a while, primarily because now my leadership is with Honors Peace. And these are the sorts of things that like we're mapping out with with that agency right now all the time of like, you know, in what ways are we are we representing um, diverse voices um, and marginalized voices to make sure that uh, the status quo doesn't necessarily stay the same and that we're we're finding uh, voices and leadership capacity outside of the norm. When you ask the question, like your leadership in the church, like the church very much to me is the organizing that I'm involved with, like in places like On Earth Peace and SCN and, you know, other groups that, you know, are just like trying to do better. My church is not this argument about whether we're conservative enough or about whether we're excluding enough people that just like, that's just not. I definitely would not be a, lead, a very good leader like in those in those places and in that capacity. And so it's like I have a little bit of trauma around like when did you see yourself as a leader in the church? And I just like want to scream from the rooftops, I'm not because like the leadership that I perceive right now is like definitely speaking and and participating in a type of leadership that just like I do not want to be linked to and that is like not my part of living out, you know living out this work. Uh, and so that, that question got me a little off guard, not only because I don't really like, I don't like, that's not necessarily how I see myself, but the leadership that I do see, I just like am in such conflict with some of the current decisions and, and uh, exclusion, you know, that is, that is happening that I'm just like, no, no, <laughs> a leader when, because no, no, I wouldn't, those, those are not the types of decisions that like I would support. Yeah, I think one of the things that I constantly have to remind myself to like your point is that, you know, I've said it and I'll say it again, like representation matters, right? So phrases like, you know, we should have more moderators that are women and in, you know, decision-making places within the broader denomination. And, And when we, you know, stick to things that are like, well, you know, women are doing really good work in the church. And here are these, you know, 15 examples of ways that they, they are leading and they are doing really solid work. We also have 15 examples of ways in which that work is downplayed or even sometimes named as going against the grain of like what decision-making power in the church is saying is acceptable for, for our greater body. So, I agree that it's worth lifting up the ways in which women are are moving and are powerful and are are leading in the church. But I don't think that we can ignore that that sits parallel to or alongside some real some real leadership and decision making power that happens at a higher level that women do not regularly have access to. Um, and what we know is that when when different voices and different representation come together you know, you hear different things and the, the ability to make, to make decisions, uh, more accountably and in a more collaborative way happens. And until we start to see women and I'll throw people of color in there, um, in some of those more formal leadership positions where decision-making power happens, we will, continue to, you know, have some of this tension between like what is happening on the grassroots and how does that fit with, with some of the polity and the decision, the decisions that are being made in places where, you know, women and people of color are not traditionally allowed or invited to be. And I think that that is, 
you know, if I'm being 100% honest, some of the tension that Honor Peace feels right now, among other things, right? But it's like Honor Peace has been super intentional about trying to, to broaden the table, so to speak, and who's allowed to sit at it. And uh, that in a lot of ways is a, is a point of tension because we don't all look the same and we don't all think the same. And that is what happens when you, when you open your doors. And that is what is supposed to happen when you open your doors and those doors of, you know, policymaking and decision-making and representation of the church as a, as a broader body need to be open to women. Uh, beyond just being super thankful that women are are willing to do the hard work at the at the grassroots and ground level, because we can also make high level decisions too. <laughs> right, right. Yes. Amen. Yeah. It's so um, unconscious among white people, men all of us who are used to being in the power seat to think, well, we'll just get a variety of people at the table and then we'll have a harmonious picture to show of how we're still doing everything the same, but look at who came to my party. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a willing to invite us to the table, but not make sure that the table is comfortable for us. Right. Um, Right. And like all of this is like probably also not the right language. Right. Because I like, there are some things about even who holds the power when we say, please invite us to the table. Right. So I I don't mean to say that I, as like a a woman of color, am like being like begging to be led in somewhere. Right. That doesn't, that doesn't necessarily embody, embody what I mean to say either, but the point is right. That uh, diverse voices and and decision-making should be shared in ways that the highest levels of the church right now are, are in my opinion, uh, not, not, not participating in and, and don't represent very well. So, so what you're saying is act- exactly true. Like the language we use can reinforce that they have the power. It's their table to invite right. others to, well, let's be realistic about history, but then when does the transformation moment happen? And so I just want like an easy out, but I feel like it's not very, honest and easy out would be like, it's Jesus table, right? (laughs) Like Jesus gets to invite us. But I feel like that, that kind of lets us off the hook or, and, or it doesn't really help. And so it might be the kind of situation where like, we need the table to go away, (laughs) like to the whole, like, let's let the whole thing die and a new thing come. But I feel like even that it's not quite linear and it's not just happening once because like there are little deaths and little new births all the time going on. One of those will be when COB Inc, you know, closes its legal status as an entity, which I'm guessing will happen in our lifetime. I can't imagine it won't happen in our lifetime. Some things would have to drastically change if it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. But there are other ways of having deaths and some of them maybe wouldn't have to feel so permanent. So I feel like on earth peace maybe has been trying that harder. Hear me say, I don't mean to say that on earth peace has it figured out uh, because we don't. And there's, there's like a lot of work that we still need to do. And I think that hopefully anybody in working with on earth peace would be able to admit that and recognize that because that's the type of work we're doing to make sure that we're grounding ourselves in the reality of the work that, that we are doing and that we have left to do. Um, yeah, like I, I think it's a really, it's a really interesting 
thought and a really interesting question. And even the small a bit, like the small amount of pushing that we're doing to even allow a new, like a new way to be heard. Right. And I say new way loosely because it's still grounded, very much grounded. I mean, we're an agency. It's very much grounded in the church of the brethren. The majority of the people on the board and on staff have been a part of the church of the brethren and have grown up in the same sort of like oppressive systems that, you know, we're alluding to and talking to. So like, isn't that new of a system and it isn't that rebuilt, right? It's like, slowly and and cautiously and i know people don't think that but slowly and cautiously questioning the current way i don't think we can call that like even using a new way and like people are beside themselves crazy with anger about the questioning right like that is and so like just the question like i'm sort of sitting here like both like uh recoiling a little bit at like this idea that like you know, like a new way has to be found and like, good for you. Like, oh, this isn't like, we're not even close to a new way. And the very small, like questioning that's being done is, has been pushed back on so far. Um, which like, as a woman of color, I can tell you is extremely disheartening. Like we're not even talking about like equity yet. Forget anti-racism. Like we're not even talking about equity yet. And people are this up in arms that my goodness, we might open our arms to like more people that don't think and look like and love like us that gosh, we, we can't be a church in the face of that is like, it's, it's harmful. And it's, I don't know, (laughs) it's a lot of things, but it isn't like, if, if we're being honest, like it isn't, it is nowhere near the pushing that we need to like be accountable and to do, do the actual work that it is we're wanting, that we're wanting to do. And then I'll also name to like the first point, like in terms of like (laughs) the phrasing of like, it's Jesus's table, right? Yeah, well, the mouthpieces of Jesus's table, right? Hold still quite a bit of power and some envisioning of what, of what to make that, that table, Um, especially if you can't agree, uh, how that table is built or what that table stands for. And that's a little bit like, like where we are, who gets to tell the story of what happens at Jesus's table. Um, and that is not an equal balance of power right now in narration. (laughs) So, uh, it's, I mean, I don't, I don't mean to downplay it. It's, it's a tough situation and it's, you know, kind of sad for the church, but in a lot of ways, like there's a lot of really good work being done. And for the people who are questioning it, for those of us that are questioning it, I think that, you know, that's the work right now. That's the work to continue to to check ourselves, to make sure that the work we're all talking about doing is like actually the work that, that we're doing and we're not getting caught up in some of this, this other stuff. Johansson, and I am a member of the Crest Manor Church of the Brethren. And your questions, Annalisa, about leadership have prompted more questions for me, such as how do we understand leadership in the church, and particularly in the Church of the Brethren? Another question is is leadership confirmed by the body? And if so, how? Or does one just know that one is a leader. A third one is, are there different standards 
by which males and females are designated or evaluated in their leadership. I guess the bottom line is that I think it's difficult in the Church of the Brethren to consider oneself a leader. And that's in itself worth thinking about. In fact, in the free ministry tradition of the church, to think of or to project oneself as called as a leader or to be a leader would be a sure sign that that's not the case. So you're asking us to work against our conditioning as certainly as Church of the Brethren people historically and really as women. Okay. Uh, oh, and one final question would be how how shall a leader be discerned or known? What would be the, the traits that we might agree? Well, those are marks of a leader. I think my earliest experiences probably came through music performance in um, worship. And that was really from a fairly young age after I took keyboard lessons. And then I, I was certainly active in district and regional youth cabinets, would have been in, in high school and a bit in college. Uh, another time that I might have thought of, my, of myself as a leader, as a young adult, was the summer I did um, summer field work in a district between my junior and senior years in college. I think, I think the college experiences brought my faith and campus leadership together, sort of the, the more secular, institutional, and, and religious experiences together. Speaking and writing about the women's movement in and for the church certainly identified me as, I suppose, a feminist leader. And depending on which group, maybe as a not so desirable leader, a little bit contentious. There was a time, and this would have been, uh, I think this was when we were living in Princeton, New Jersey, and I, so I wasn't really very active in a local congregation at that time, when I was invited by male leaders in the Church of the Brethren to develop or advance myself as, <laughs> as a leader. And I remember a meeting with Phyllis Carter and Pat Hellman and myself. And I don't know if there were any other women, but I do remember that this was a specific meeting that I think, and, and it grew out of the women's interest in more women in leadership. You know, was, was that an affirmation that I had ability to be a leader? I suppose it might be. I have always felt and perceived myself to be working from the margins of the church. That may sound strange, having, having served a little stint as the president of the seminary, but even that um, I perceived as working from the margins of the church. That may have a lot to do with my personality. I don't know. I think another significant example for me that both illustrates the margins and I think helped me identify myself or the potential for myself to be a leader came when I spoke at the women's gathering in North Manchester in 1978. 
out of which the birth of the Global Women's Project came. There was a, a convergence between my interests, my heart passions, and, and the vision that I had for the church and the world. Well, and that leads me to, my, to the point I want to make, and that is that I think leadership really comes or grows from an inner and outer convergence. Perhaps it's similar to what Frederick Buechner, uh, just the way he describes vocation as the place where our deep gladness and the world's deep needs meet. Um, so I want to say just a little bit about leadership at, at Bethany. That did come for me from my sense of an inner and outer convergence. Even though it was difficult for me to say yes to that, I did feel that what I could offer at that time as a listener, teacher, with a vision of where, of what Bethany and the brethren might be, and what I could offer sort of came together. I went not as a theologian, not as a church pastor into that position. So that also was from, from the margins of academic life and literature. I think that we often think about leadership in more secular and institutional ways mm -hmm. we do I mean it's almost as if we we bifurcate our spiritual life and our administrative lives if administration you think of as leadership or it could be teaching other things and your spiritual life is sort of segregated from that but your, your second question about speaking truth to power had led me to think about um the ways in which I think about speaking truth to power, and it has to do with letting one's life speak. And I would say the same thing really about leadership. That leadership, it, it, it grows ideally integrally from, from the integrity of one's own life. It isn't something that one simply is afforded a position. I, I have a hunch, uh, I have not run the numbers, but I have a hunch that this more um, contextual understanding of leadership would match women's experience of leadership more frequently than man, men, in large part because men are more often given a formal position of leadership, but then also because women by nature, by nurture, by some mysterious combination, seem to be more attuned to the needs going on around them and therefore have the ability to respond to the needs once they have noted them. And that expression of leadership feels like it fits the servanthood or the service-oriented culture and calling of brethren much better. And so one could even wonder if women would be the most natural Church of the Brethren leaders, even though we have wrestled with that so much when it comes to formal positions of leadership. Right, right. Uh, yeah, I think that's a very interesting question. And it would be interesting to do sort of a historical survey of when, when we became much more institutionalized in our views of leadership 
if we imagine that there was a change over time that the church of the brethren looked for more in more formalized leadership positions or adopted a more formal leadership structure over time and then ushered and welcomed men into those positions then there was also a point at which women clamored on the door demanded to take a seat at that table and what i see now when i look around in the church of the brethren is that very few people are interested in taking part in formal leadership in the church of the brethren there might be a few very elite positions moderator general secretary you know the the real top perceived positions are still desired but for the most part it's like if you want to be on district board you can be on district board because there are so few people who are willing to give the time and this is now a time when again i haven't run the numbers i bet there are more women than ever serving in those places but it also has to do with the fact that there is less value in the work and therefore women can have it yes 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 well that that's central to the question i have about how we understand leadership uh it it, it is not just understanding it's how we value it and as you said early in our conversation many women are doing lots and lots maybe most of the work in the church of the brethren but nobody's calling them out and saying these are the pillars of the church uh for the most part Right. Anything they're saying, well, you know, these are the good faithful sisters, you know, who who keep this running, and 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 it's it's sort of condescending. Uh, they they say that about church secretaries or administrative assistants as well. She's really the one who runs the church, it, and it is usual. I mean, it is a she. <laughs> right. Right. But you yeah. know well that she does not have the the authority or the position the value mm-hmm. including the compensation exactly yes yeah in fact if we did a word analysis looking at the um obituaries and the eulogies how often would women be called the saint of the church the servant of the church and how often would men be thanked for their leadership probably still their service but i wonder even if service more for men and servanthood more for women i i think that stuff is deeply ingrained in us i think it, i think it is too there you have another article that you can work yes. on yes exactly we need some research assistance and we all need to go back and pour through messengers and we need to like glean all of these gems and and skeletons you know all of it like what a good time in the great rummage sale of the church of the brethren to do that i i like the i, I like the, the title the great rummage sale of the church of the brethren no seriously what is it that we're selling Punks, as you listen to today's episode, did you, like me, find yourself wondering, when did I know that I was a leader in the church? I really like this question, and the fact that Annalisa and the Women's Caucus are exploring it with so many different people. 
particularly because anyone in the Church of the Brethren can lead in their own right. Just off the top of my head, I can think of high schoolers who served as Church of the Brethren annual conference delegates, of folks in their 80s and 90s who started a card ministry, of friends who don't attend church regularly but have been volunteering to resettle migrant families on their Sunday mornings, of death row inmates who aren't brethren at all but have created art that is shown at and has impacted brethren congregations. And that's not to mention the people in all the sort of more traditional leadership roles like music, preaching, teaching Sunday school, running AV, and all that we see in churches. Ruthann explained that leadership grows from an inner and outer convergence and thinking through how she and Melissa and Annalisa and those leaders I just thought of got to be in leadership roles of varying levels within the church really showcases this idea. A need arises in your community, and you are blessed with the vision or the skills and the spirit to fulfill that need, and before you realize, you're making an impact on your community. It sounds easy, but it's not. It sounds like a quick process, but it's not. <laughs> it sounds like everybody's doing it, but they're not. So, Dunker Punks, to follow up on this question, when did I know that I was a leader in the church? We should probably be doing kind of a post-pandemic lockdown reset and ask ourselves, how am I leading today? And adjacently, what are the needs in my community now? I'll close with the words from a couple verses of a hymn that we sang at Washington City Church of the Brethren the other day that popped back into my head when listening to Annalisa, Melissa, and Ruthann. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee, swift and beautiful for thee. Take my will and make it thine, it shall be no longer mine. Take my heart, it is thine own, it shall be thy royal throne, it shall be thy royal throne. Take my love, my God I pour, at thy feet its treasure store. Take myself and I will be ever only, all for thee, ever only, all for thee. Well, y'all, thanks for tuning in. The Dunker Punks podcast community leads by example, practicing the countercultural love of Christ on earth that we preach. This episode was created by Annalisa Gross on behalf of the Women's Caucus. As she said earlier, you can check out their related interviews on church leadership by listening to the Dunker Punks podcast episodes 107, 113, and 118 in our archives. I'm your host, editor, and music creator, Jacob Krauss. My pronouns are he, him, his. Suzanne Lay manages production and communications. The Warrensburg Church of the Brethren, Beacon Heights Church of the Brethren, Arlington Church of the Brethren, and On Earth Peace sponsor the show. Speaking of sponsoring the show, we're trying to recruit more congregations to sponsor. Can we recruit 20 of them? Our brick-and-mortar churches are all about faith formation, and it's important uh, what our youth have to say about following Jesus. So if your congregation can help support and amplify youth and young voices of faith, email us at dpp at arlingtoncob.org for more details, including an info packet about congregational sponsorships that you can pass along to your church board. You can also send us your comments or favorite show quotes or suggest an episode or series idea or even a potential audio contributor. 
by emailing us at dpp at arlingtoncob.org. Engage with our posts on social media. We are at Pod on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest. Share, like, comment on posts to support the show, or tag a friend to personally invite them to check out a favorite episode of yours. That's it for now. Look out for our next episode dropping Thanksgiving weekend coming to us from On Earth Peace about a spoken word poetry project. Until then, peace, Dunker Punks. <laughs>